Father, we thank you for this, the privilege and opportunity to come together, worship you, and to hear from you. We ask you to speak your words, Lord, through me. Anoint me to speak clearly, simply, truthfully. Let your word really be illuminated and implanted deep in our lives and change us to be more like Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. Well, there was this guy, and he was a world swordsman. In fact, he thought he was the best swordsman in the entire world. But the problem was there's two other guys that thought the same thing. So they decided to have a contest to see who was the best. So they all got in a room together. First guy got his sword, and he said, okay, you see that fly on the wall? Split them in two. Well, the second guy said, that's nothing. He said, you see that fly on the wall? Split them in four pieces. Well, the third guy, he walks up and says, that's nothing. You see that fly on the wall? They said, what's up with that? The fly's still buzzing around, flying. He said, yeah, but he'll never have children again. Now that takes skill. <laughs> to perform a vasectomy on a fly in mid-flight is quite skillful. Actually, the book of Proverbs is a book on living life skillfully. It teaches us how to live life skillfully in so many different areas. And we've gone over a lot of them already. I just want to review for you what some of those areas are. It talks about we talked about living life with wise decision-making out of the book of Proverbs, wisdom in finances, wisdom when it comes to our health, wisdom in dealing with sexual temptation, wisdom in marriage, wisdom in friendship, wisdom in speech, wisdom in handling anger, wisdom in handling alcohol, wisdom in justice, wisdom in humility, wisdom in watching over your heart, wisdom in the workplace, wisdom in parenting, and then last week on Mother's Day, we looked at the wise woman of Proverbs chapter 31. According to the book of Proverbs, to live life skillfully is to live life wisely. If you do not live life skillfully, then you are living life foolishly. In fact, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about a fool. In fact, the word fool or foolishness is used over 50 times in the book of Proverbs. And you can go through the book of Proverbs and see so many differences between someone who's wise and someone who's foolish. But if I had to sum it up and talk about the number one difference between someone who's wise and someone who's foolish and why, I'd actually go to the words of Jesus where he sums it up as the master teacher the number one difference between someone who's wise and someone who's foolish and the reason behind it. And that's what we want to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. And the words on this passage will also be up on the screen so we can all follow along. This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says this. Let's listen carefully. He says, Therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came 
and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. So Jesus tells us here the biggest difference between a fool and a wise man or wise woman and tells us why, what's behind it. What I want us to do is I want us to jump a little bit more and take a little closer look at this very simple story that has so much to teach us. In fact, in this story between these two different men, we see that they had a lot in common. In fact, we're going to see three things they had in common. But then we're going to notice that they also had some differences. In fact, we're going to notice three things, three ways in which they were different. So first of all, let's notice what these two guys had in common. The first thing that they had in common was they shared the same vision. They both wanted to build a house. So their dreams were the same. They, their view, their, uh, their hopes for the future was the same. They both wanted to build a house. Now, for the sake of application, we could relate this maybe to the building of a life. We all would like to build a life that's going somewhere, or maybe to the building of a family. Since families live in homes, you could say that, that uh, most people would like to build a healthy, vibrant, dynamic, strong family. Or we could relate it to the church, because Jesus Christ talks about the church being the household of faith. And so we could apply this to actually building a ministry. And so many of us are building one of those or two of those, or a lot of us are building all three of those right now. We're building a life that we'd like to live, to be proud of, a life that God's proud of, that makes a difference. We'd like to have families that are strong and vibrant and committed. We'd all like to have some kind of ministry that stands the test of time. So in a, in a way, we, we have that in common with these two men. We are trying to build something. We have the same vision. We have something we want to build. Okay, let's look at the second thing that these two men had in common. Number two is they listened to the same teacher. Jesus says to both these men, they heard these words of mine. So both of these men heard the words of Jesus. You could say in today's framework, both these guys went to church. They both made themselves available to hear the words of Christ in church. So we're not talking about here one man who really wants to hear the truth and another man who hates the truth and wants to stay away from it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about two men that both hear the words of Jesus Christ. So they have these two things in common. They have the same vision. They're trying to build something. And they both avail themselves to the divine truth. They both are listening to the same teacher, Jesus there's a third thing that they uh, really uh, have in common with each other, and we have in common with them as well, is they face the same storm. If you notice in this passage that they were both affected by the same storm, the description of the storm is precisely the same in both of these men's lives. 
So they're subjected to the same storm. And by the way, we also have this in common with these two men. Because we too are affected by the same storms. In fact, the longer I live, the more I believe the story of any of us is in a big part a story of all of us. Everybody here is affected by a storm of some kind. Every one of us is affected by the negative aspects and realities of life that bear down upon our lives, our families, our ministries. So we might not have the exact same storm, the exact same circumstances, but we all get rained on. Life's not always sunshine. Life's not always easy. Life has storms, and there's enough to go around for all of us. So these two guys in Jesus' story have a lot in common. And then we have these same three things in common with these two men. We all want to build something, a life, a family, a ministry. We're listening to the words of Jesus today, and we all face storms. So these men had a lot in common, and so do we. But now this story gets a little more interesting because now we begin to see the differences between these two guys. Everything is not the same with them. We saw they had a lot in common. Now we're going to see how they're different, and we also are going to see which one of these two that we are the most like. All right? First way that they're different, number one, is they possessed different characters. One man is called a wise man, and one man is called a fool. Now, one is viewed as a wise man. Think about this. A wise man who wants to build something, a wise man who's listening to the words of Jesus, and a wise man who's in a storm. The other man's a foolish man. He's a foolish man who wants to build something, a foolish man listening to the words of Jesus, and a foolish man in a storm. Now, remember, wisdom in Scripture is not just listening to the truth, but it is applying the truth to your life. The fool in the scriptures, or particularly in the book of Proverbs, is not a person who necessarily lacks information. A fool in the book of Proverbs is someone who does not do anything or little with the information that they are given. The fool basically hears, but does not respond. A fool can go to church week after week after week and not apply any of it to their life. See, that is a fool according to Jesus. So these two men were fundamentally different. And, they, you know, it's, it's, it's important that you understand this. They both, I mean, they are similar. In fact, they had dreams. They heard the same teacher. They had the same storms. But they were different in a big way. If you just looked at them, they looked the same. They looked like, you know, twins. But they were different in that one of them heard the words and applied the words that they heard to their life. And by the way, it's also true here. There's not just, there's also two kinds of people in this room. There's two kinds of people watching online. Some are wise, some are foolish. And Jesus, Jesus is going to tell you which one of them you are in just a minute. So let's look. There's a second difference between these two guys. They had different foundations. It says the wise man built his house upon the rock. It says the foolish man built his house on the sand. So while both these men had the same vision, the same teacher, and the same storms, 
we see that they did not have the same foundation. Now, what is different between building on the foundation of a rock and building on sand? What's the difference? In fact, I want you to think, what was going on in the minds of each one of them when they decided where they're going to build their house? What was going on in the mind of the wise man when he thought, I need to build this on a rock? And what was going on in the mind of a fool who's willing to build it on sand? Well, I think we have some insight into this because in Luke chapter 6, verse 48, it says that the wise man dug deep. The wise man had to dig deep. He had to dig past the sand to get to the rock. See, you can build fairly cheaply on sand. To build on a rock, you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to work hard to dig deep. It's going to take energy. It's going to take some time. It's probably going to take some money if we're going to build on the rock. If you want to go deep, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It might even cost you some money. If you're going to be someone who takes the word of God and applies it to your life. So the fundamental difference between these two guys is that one changed his life to line up to the scriptures and the other one did not. See, to build your house on the rock means you're willing to do some work, spend the energy, pay the price, line up your life with scripture. To be a doer of the word takes work. To change your life to line up with the scriptures is work. And the fool doesn't want to do that work. The fool is willing to build a house upon the sand. See, understand this. Hearing the word of God is not what makes you strong. It's doing the word of God that makes you strong. See, you can hear all about prayer, understand the theology of prayer, even write books on prayer. But if you don't pray, you will not get the strength from it. You can hear all kinds of messages about giving, about the importance of bringing tithes and offerings to the Lord's storehouse, of being generous so God can bless you. You can hear all that, but if you don't do it, you don't get the blessing of that open heaven from it. You can hear all about fellowship, all about the importance of being involved in the community and in small groups and life groups, and connected and supportable and accountable relationships. But if you don't step out and do it, you won't get the strength from it. You can hear all about the fact that you have a spiritual gift. At least one, if you're a Christian, you have at least one gracelet, the grace of God, the Holy Spirit empowering you to do something for the kingdom. And you can hear all about that teaching, how you have a place in the body of Christ. And you, just like a human body has different parts, you are part of the body of Christ. And you must fulfill that part. You can hear all that, but if you don't step out and make the effort to find out what that is and begin to walk in it, you don't get the benefit of it. That's how it works. We, it's not hearing the truth that makes you strong. It's doing it that makes us strong. So we need to understand that until we line up our lives with the word of God, things are not going to change for the better. They will not change for the better until we do that. That reminds me of a story I heard a long time ago. There's a man who left his wife for another woman. In the process, somehow, he also managed to keep the house. So she needed to move out. 
She spent the first day packing and putting all her belongings in boxes and suitcases. On the second day, she had the movers come and collect all of her stuff. And on the third day, her last day in her home that she loved, she decided she would sit at her beautiful dining room table and have one last meal. So she did. She had she feasted with some background music. She feasted on a pound of shrimp and a jar of caviar and a bottle of Chardonnay. And when she had finished, she went into each and every room and deposited a few half-eaten shrimp shells dipped in caviar into the hollow of the curtain rods. And she cleaned up the kitchen and she left. Well, when the husband returned with his new girlfriend, all was bliss for a few days, and slowly the house began to smell, began to reek. They tried everything, cleaning and mopping, airing the place out. They had their vents checked for rodents. They had their carpets steam cleaned. They hung air fresheners all throughout the house. Exterminators were brought in and set off gas canisters, so they had to leave for a few days. They even paid to replace their expensive wool carpeting, tore it all up, put in new carpeting. Nothing worked. People stopped coming over to visit them. Repairmen, repairmen refused to go work at their house. The maid quit. Finally, they couldn't take the stench any longer, and they decided to move. Well, a month later, even though they cut the price of the house in half, they couldn't find anyone to buy this house, not with that smell. And then word got out, and eventually none of the realtors would even return their phone calls. So finally, they had to borrow a huge sum of money from the bank to purchase a new place. About that time, the ex-wife called and asked him, asked her ex-husband how things were going. He told her everything's fine, but they wanted to sell the house. She said she missed her home terribly, and she'd be willing to reduce her divorce settlement in exchange for getting the house back. Well, thinking his ex-wife had no idea how bad this house smelled, he agreed on a price that was one-tenth of the price that the house was really worth, but only if she's willing to sign the papers that very day. So she agreed, and within an hour, his lawyers delivered the paperwork, and she signed it. And a week later, the man and his new girlfriend stood smirking as they watched the moving company pack everything to take to their new home, including the curtain rods. <laughs> now, I tell you this story, that story to tell you this. That's really how sin is in our lives. I mean, it makes us miserable. You know, there's the pleasure, passing pleasure of sin for a season, but then it makes you miserable. And people try all kinds of things to get the misery and the stench of the sin out of their life, and nothing works. Only one thing works, and that is to get the sin out of your life. And some of you might be in that state today. You're miserable because there is, there is a sin you're holding on to you just will not let go of. And right now, some of you, it's the Holy Spirit just brought it to your mind. Some of you know what it is right now. He just brought it to your mind. And you tried everything to get rid of the misery of it, but you've not, you've not let go of that sin. And that is what you have to do. 
Confess it before God, repent from it, and get it out of your life. Makes all the difference in the world whether or not we're doers of the word. Well, there's one more difference between these two men we need to notice, and that is they experienced different results. It says that one house stood and the other house fell. Not only did it fall, it fell greatly. It was a total collapse. So if you were to drive by both these men's homes before the storm, they would look the same. They would probably look identical. In fact, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between these two homes, not until after the storm. Storms reveal the nature of our foundation. As long as the sun is shining, you really don't think much about what you're built on. In fact, you may not even care much about what you're built on when the sun is shining. But the storm has a way of letting you know what kind of foundation you're really resting on. I want you to notice the language. In both cases, the rains descended, the floods came, winds blew, and burst against the house. Now, whenever you have rain and floods and winds and houses being knocked down, that's a hurricane. So hurricane season came upon both these men. And hurricane season has a way of visiting all of us at one time or another. All of us. Your storm may be different than mine, but the winds are going to blow and the rains are going to fall on all of us. So the question isn't whether or not you're going to go through a storm or not. That's not the question here. Because some of you are coming out of a storm right now. Some of you are in the middle of one. And some of you have one around the corner you don't even know about yet. It's coming. The question isn't whether or not storms are coming. The question is whether or not we're going to be prepared for it when it comes. So you, we all need to understand this about foundations. You, you can't pour a foundation when it's raining. You can pour a foundation before it rains, and you can pour a foundation after it rains. But you cannot pour a foundation when it is raining. Whatever foundation you're going to have, you need to get it solidified before the storm comes. So when the storm does come, you're not in a crisis. Many years ago, it was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, and they loved to go on cruises. And so me and my three siblings, four couples, we decided we would all go on a cruise together with them, and we'd pay for their cruise. Tracy and I had never been on a cruise before. We got, you know, we got the cheapest rooms we could get on this cruise ship, and they were down in steerage, down in the belly of this boat. <clears throat> and that night, the first night on the ship, there was a storm in the Gulf, and I was sound asleep through it, and Tracy woke me up. She says, Gary, you don't hear that? And I listened for a second, heard this creaking sound of the, of the boat in the storm, really making a loud creaking sound. She said, is, is, is it going to hold together? And I just kind of, I kind of laughed, said, it's a bad storm, honey, but this boat was built for storms like this. So though the storm is bad, this ship is better. And then I went back to sleep. 
See, I don't know what storms or hurricanes or tornadoes you're going to face in your life or in your family or in your ministry, but I do know this. You can build a life that can handle the storms that are coming. Whatever they are, whatever may come. And the way you do that, how do I do that? You do it by being a doer of the word. We take his words and we do the hard work of digging deep and ch changing our life to line up with his word. The big difference between these two men is both heard, but only one did. Pastor Tony Evans, speaking on this passage, said this. He said, I wish I could tell you that hearing God's word means no storms. But that's a lie. What I can tell you is that adhering to God's word means whatever storms there are, they won't have the last word. Here's an image I want to close with. I want you to leave with this image in your mind. I want you to think about this person here. Both these people look the same like these two guys in Jesus' story. But I want you to think about this one is the wise man. He's a wise man. But I want you to think about this, just this little illustration for a second. This is one of those boxing dummies. If you hit it, it comes right back up. You can kick it, bounces right back up. Whatever you do, he's going to bounce right back. Why does he do that? He does it because it's, it's weighted on the bottom. Down here at the foundation, it's weighted. So no matter what happens, it always comes back to standing straight up. See, the wise man or wise woman who builds their house on the rock because they a, apply the word of God. See, they're prepared for the storms now, whatever the storm is, because you build on the rock, you apply the word of God. So when the storm comes and knocks you upside the head, you come back to your feet. The devil comes along and kicks you down. You bet you pop right back up. Why? Because you built your house on the rock. You're applying the words of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about the other guy. This guy here, in fact, they look very much the same, <clears throat> identically the same. And this person here is the fool, though. He built his house on the sand. He heard the words of Jesus, but he didn't apply them. He heard about prayer, but he didn't pray. He heard about giving, but he doesn't give. He heard about being involved in the community and relationships. He doesn't do that. He stays home and watches TV every night. He heard about that he's got a spiritual gift. He ought to use it and, and, and do the hard work of finding out what that might be by serving and loving and seeing really how God has gifted him, and he doesn't want to do that. So what happens to him? What happens to him when the storm hits? storm hits him, and he stays down. He collapses. Why? Because he built his house in sand. He did not apply the word of God, and he did not have the strength that comes from that. He had no foundation. And here's what I want you to understand. That you build your house on the rock by applying the word of God. You're going to be like this wise man right here. And whatever comes your way, whatever storms come, and they can come and the devil can come and hit you with everything he's got. He can take you, all hell can break loose on you, and you will just keep bouncing back up. So when the hurricane comes your way and it's coming, if you're not in one right now, there's one coming. When it comes, remember this. Build your house 
on the rock. Keep applying the word of God. And when that hurricane comes, when it's finally over, you'll be standing. Let's all stand for prayer. Invite you to just close your eyes if you would for a moment. Father, we ask you to, by the power of your spirit, would you search our hearts and see if there's been anything in our lives, any sin we're holding on to. Right now, Lord, just, just put it in our mind's eye real clearly what it is. Pray for no one to be deceived right now, no one being able to rationalize it, justify it. But right now, just show us our sin. Now we can really just confess it, repent from it, get it out of our lives. We can apply your word, obey you, Lord. Lord, I also pray that you'd show any of us where we've just been refusing to obey you in an area that you've been speaking to us about. Show us, Lord, what that area is that we can right now just confess it as sin and commit to you and begin to walk in obedience. Lord, also, I, we pray, Lord, I pray for anyone here, Lord, anyone online that right now they, a storm did come and they've collapsed. And they would admit it, they've just collapsed. And, Lord, we're asking today for mercy, for mercy, and, Lord, and then for the grace to begin to build right and start to apply your word. Lord, we ask you this week that we find ourselves meditating on your words, Jesus, and focusing and being careful and doing all the hard work that needs to be done to line up our lives with your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name.